Today's Nordic future maker is Tulva Chevely, who is Innovations Director at the Electrolux Global Hub in Stockholm. We first met around 10 years ago, and it's great that I can say, Tulva, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Okay, so I've given you the briefest of introductions, but if you can tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do, that would be great, please. Yes, of course. So yeah, my name is Tove and I uh, am located in Stockholm uh, and I work for Electrolux in their innovation hub. Uh, and my, I would say that I have the best job of them all. So my job is to both accelerate other teams who work with innovation uh, and innovation, everything from product innovation to marketing innovation and make sure that they accelerate and they um, move forward and do their best. And the other side of my job is to work with strategic innovation, to look at what are the, the opportunities that goes beyond what we do today and that would truly accelerate us as a company and make us uh, go towards our purpose faster. So I would say that I have a very exciting job at the moment. And your job, you're, you're much more than just media or advertising or marketing. It kind of covers, covers everything. Yes. So actually, my, my, I've done a, a pivot a little bit. So I, I am born and raised in marketing, uh, but I now work much more with, with product and I would say experience innovation. So looking at both what are products, but also everything that we do around our product uh, that we deliver on all of them together and looking at how we kind of stretch ourselves and do more than we do today. So, so yes, I've done a, a bit of a change. So obviously, strange times at the moment. And I saw you writing about how to keep innovating at this time, the whole thing around hacking the crisis. So can you talk us through the kind of the four key points that you, you've been talking about in that area? Yeah, of course. So I think a lot of things that we talk about internally uh, and also with, with friends outside uh, the company, a crisis uh, is not only a negative thing. A crisis is also a way for you as a company or as a team or as a person to really evaluate uh, what you do. Uh, and if this is truly uh, making you a better company or making you a better team. And it doesn't have to be hard. It is, it is a lot of work uh, to find new ideas and find new innovations. But there are some key steps that you can go through to make sure that you, you work uh, towards the best possible solutions and that you work towards innovation and finding new solutions to, to new problems. Because that is really what's happening at the moment, is that all the things that we were planning for just a couple of weeks or month, months ago is not valid anymore. And the world looks vastly different than it did just then. So we need to reevaluate, you know, where is the world going and who do we want to be in that? So we developed some key steps that we shared recently on kind of what you can do to move in the right direction. So I think the first thing that you need to do, obviously, is to kind of set your focus. So you need to understand who do you want to be? Who are you? What's your core mission uh, and purpose, obviously? And then look at the world around you. What is the context that you live in and operate in? And how is that changing in this crisis? And truly define what is your focus? What are the key challenges that you need to solve? And you need to take this time to kind of get that clarity. So it's only when you know the key challenges that you want to solve and for whom that you can find the right solutions. It's very easy to jump to finding the right solutions and finding a solution very quickly. But first, find that focus for yourselves. So when you have that focus, the second one is to capture your solutions. And that's really kind of being open and, and not focusing in on, on a few solutions first, but really try to keep an open mind 
uh, and make sure that you capture as many solutions as possible first and and do that with a diverse team of people. It's very easy also to work with the, the same type of people, but make sure that you have a lot of different ones that you work with. And that's when you find the right ideas. So when you have all these ideas, the third thing you need to do is then, of course, to prioritize, like which ones should we focus on? And that's really the first time you, you are allowed to, to park ideas or, or actually kill them off. So, you know, look at your board, ask your, your fellow innovators and see kind of what are the, the themes you have. And here is when you can cluster them into different innovations. Is this a, a new marketing activity? Is this a new solution? Is this a new business model or is it a new process? So try to find those different kind of options or themes that you have within your ideation. And then you start to, to kind of select which ones are the most important. And here you, you need to, to answer some, some key questions, I think, uh, that we sometimes forget. It's important to look at the ideas you have and say, okay, what are our capabilities? What's our core capabilities? And does it really solve the problem that we said that we're going to solve? Does it do it long term or does it do it short term? And it's important to stop and, and, and really ask these questions and make sure that you pick the ideas to move forward with that, that truly does this. And I think this is also something that, that a lot of the key stakeholders and executives jump and that they want to find a solution quickly and they go with the gut, gut feeling. So make sure that you pick a couple of ideas that you believe are the ones that you want to move ahead with. And then you move to the most critical ones, which is actually to test your idea. The, the ideas that you have then are still just assumptions. You need to test them. You need to make sure uh, that this is something that your consumer actually wants uh, rather than something that you assume. So okay. here, take a few uh, tests uh, and make sure uh, that you test them uh, and validate them before you move on. So this idea of get clarity on what you're trying to do then get lots and lots of different ideas and solutions, prioritize them, and then get a small group that you can actually go and test and try and validate to see if there's anything there. Yes, okay. exactly. The other thing that comes through, especially at the moment where we're all working virtually, is there are new tools that we can use for this. So I, we've played with this a bit. Um, you've been using Miro, is that right? Yes. Yes, we love Miro. And for those who don't know what Miro is, this is a kind of – digital it's kind of digital post-it notes yes so so actually we've been using a couple of tools before this but i think what what happened now when everyone sits remote is uh, that we actually figure out that this can make us even more creative this can make us more more free to think uh, and it kind of makes us step away from our our normal kind of hierarchies and, and kind of our titles and we're allowed to think freely and what myra does is an online collaboration so in this most simple term, it's an endless whiteboard that lets you ideate together, but far away. So I think it's a, it's a great tool. And if you haven't used it, I, I strongly recommend it. So that's one of the new tools that we're all kind of getting to grips with, with the current kind of ways of working. I also saw there was something which I thought was a really cool way of doing things when you were talking about getting solutions and kind of exploring ideas. You spoke of a, a mechanic you use called Yes And. Yes. So I think here, uh, this is something that I work with all people, but very often with, with executives, is to make sure that we allow everyone to come with their ideas and make sure that everyone has, has a floor to speak from. Uh, and we use a, a very simple uh, mechanic that's called Yes Send. 
So every time anyone has an idea, you are never allowed to say no, but you're only allowed to build. And a very easy way to kind of nudge your behavior towards that is that every sentence you say needs to start with yes and. And that way you can start to build on everything and you see a much more positive atmosphere in the room and you get a lot more ideas than you thought you would. And I think that's a much nicer way of saying there are no stupid ideas. So as soon as you say there are no stupid ideas, (laughs) people think there are stupid ideas, whereas the yes and is kind of that positive reinforcement. Yes. Okay. Um, And I've seen a lot of the things you talk about or you um, seem to have a real passion for is this idea of sustainability and better living. So is that something that's kind of your guiding star with a lot of what you're working towards at the moment? Yeah, and I think it's it's even more important now uh, when we go through this crisis. Um, I think um, the starting ground for, for what I do is that I'm very, very purpose-driven, uh, that I need to have a, a I feel a, a great sense of urge to have something that goes deeper uh, than to sell more appliances or drive revenue or find a new business model that would increase uh, stakeholder value. I think it's very, very important to have a bigger meaning with what you do and that you want to do something for the community that you live in or the employees uh, and colleagues that you have that you work with. And that's core for me. Uh, And that's kind of the the reason why I go to the, the job that I have is that I'm allowed to have that. And we have within Electrolux a very coarse core mission and purpose uh, that's much, much more than than letters written on the wall. It's something that we truly believe in. So yes, it's it's. I think it's super important uh, that you have, uh, and I think that will come across even more uh, in this crisis. And you had something where you were working quite closely with um, a new kind of startup called Karma. Yes. So I didn't know anything about that until I saw um, until I moved to Sweden and. And saw people thinking about this idea of of food wastage and all of those sort of things. So, what was involved in Karma, and and what were you kind of doing with it? Mm-hmm. Yes, so Karma is a Swedish startup uh, that helps restaurants, supermarkets uh, sell surplus food that they would otherwise uh, throw away. So, one of the the key things that I work with is to to look at how we can make more sustainable and healthy eating uh, more of a preferred choice than anything else. Uh, and of course, food waste and eliminating food waste in every way we can is, is part of that. Uh, I also, and we also know that this is not something that we can solve on our own. We're part of a bigger system and we need to think about it as a system. So who can we collaborate with uh, to make this happen? Uh, obviously, we work a lot within the home and how we can eliminate food waste in the home. But we also know there's a, there's a key need to make sure that we eliminate food waste in every uh, part of the chain. So, so one of the things that we do, obviously, is to look at what are what are the startups, what are the established companies that we can work with to do, to make this happen. Uh, and I met Karma. I think it's two years, uh, almost to the day uh, ago. Uh, and we, I think, we found a very uh, core mission uh, that we wanted to solve together. Uh, they had a need uh, of uh, of a solution that we could offer. So I think Karma and Electrolux together is a great example where you use your different strength and your different superpowers as a company. And when you put them together, you can create something new and something amazing. Uh, so Karma and Electrolux together is, is a great uh, partnership that I uh, value a lot. 
And this is this is almost following that idea of, and again, I don't know if this is a direct quote from you or something that I've I've read somewhere about changing our diets won't save the world, but we won't have a chance of saving the world unless we change our diets. Yes, uh, I think if we talk about the the food system and. Uh, we live. We live in a world. Uh, if we think about beyond the, the the Corona crisis that we have, the way we eat uh, and and produce food today today is not working, and it's part of a huge part of of the climate crisis that we are in at the moment. And we must we must solve this food system. Uh, otherwise, we were never going to be able to to solve the climate crisis. Um, and I think that's that's one of the the key things that we look at is is how we can be able to change and help people to to change the way they eat and the what they cook, not only how they cook, obviously, but what they cook in their in in their appliances. So yes, it's a okay. it's a huge part of what we do. So all of this builds up this idea of brands having a, a higher purpose or being more purpose driven. And I think the other way of thinking of that is around experience. So brand experience and customer experience and all that sort of thing. So your job before Electrolux, when you were working in innovation with Adidas, was was kind of thinking of that way as well around experience and how you make customers feel. Yeah, and I, yeah, uh, working for Adidas was a, was a great learning platform. And I'm very, very appreciative of the time that I got with Adidas to learn how they work with brand experiences and how they connect that with product innovation. Because I think, that's a, a core need and, and something that you have to think about when you work with innovation. It's it's the whole experience that matters. It's not about if you've had the, the best products with the best features and the best technical solutions solving the, the problems that you're solving. And it's not either only about the brand experience and, and kind of the, as you said, the the logo or the, the copy or the videos that you produce. It's all of this together. Uh, and I think that's the key to, to make innovation work is to make sure that you look at this holistically. And I think Adidas was a great platform for me to, to learn that and learn how you work integrated with product and, and marketing and service and how you make sure that you provide something that is holistic for, for the customer. And I guess that applies to your own role in that sort of situation as well. The How do you get your ideas heard and how do you be more grounded and connected to the, the day-to-day work? Absolutely, in everything you do. Uh, it is that you have to, I think, in, in every job you have, but especially if you work with innovation and trying to find breakthrough solutions, is that you do have to always look at the holistic horizon. You know, you can find an idea to a fantastic solution, uh, but it doesn't might not be the right timing. It might not be right for your brand. Um, so you have to think about all these things that connect to each other all the time. Otherwise, uh, there's a big risk that your idea will fail. So what was your kind of key tip for people for how to get their voice heard? Uh, I think uh, stubbornness is always good, but I think be mindful of of other people. Uh, You know, if if you work in a bigger company, there's a lot of different things going on at the same time. So if you want to make your voice heard, be aware of, of different things that are happening and how you can find the right moment. Because if, if we connect to marketing, if you want your, your voice to be heard externally, it's about timing. It's about making sure that you choose the right channel, uh, that you talk in the right tone of voice. And that applies the same internally if you want to make your voice heard, is to make sure that you, you time it correctly. Uh, you make sure that you, you speak to the right 
uh, stakeholders uh, in in a in a way that they can relate to. So I think if you're in a marketeer person, apply your knowledge and how you do marketing uh, the same way. Okay, and that's one of the things that intrigues me is you say all of that and you've you've got all this amazing stuff that you've done, but at the same point you describe yourself as an introvert, and you talk about just having a period of where you were kind of you didn't want to do public speaking and you had a fear of fear of speaking in public so you've got over that now and you kind of look to help others are there kind of any tips you can give to people any kind of advice on on how perhaps they could go about conquering that fear themselves yeah it's interesting a lot of people ask me this question today and and look at me with a big question mark when I'm say I'm an introvert and when I say that it's really that I get my energy and I you know, recharge by being by myself um, very much. And and looking back, I was a very uh, shy uh, child um, and I I kind of were a lot on my own when I was little. So yes, it took me a lot of practice to get to where I am today. And I think that is my key learning going through this is being able to do something that you want to do. It's not something that happens overnight. It demands hard work. Uh, and it demands practice. Um, so I think if you if you want to be a public speaker, uh, you want to learn something that you don't know how to, it's hard work. Uh, and it's just taking those first steps. Sometimes it can feel like a mountain to climb to, to learn something new and, and be, if it is to be a public speaker. But if you think about it, what can I do today? Uh, what can I do this week? I think that was a tip that I got uh, early on is to not look at it so big and so daunting, but actually to look at what can I do today to improve my public speaking terms? Can I speak within my team? Can I speak within my group? Or can I speak in front of a, a, a smaller group gathering internally where I feel safe? And I think this, it's those kind of smaller steps and, and kind of breaking away from that huge mountain that feels so daunting and so scary and find those small steps that you can take already now and build on that because then it's it's all about learning and it's all about practice. Okay, and that idea of rehearsing and practice and finding venues where where you're you're safe enough to try that is kind of I guess the key with all of that. Yes, and it, it's there's there's lots of books, there's a lot of tips, there's a lot of do's and don'ts that you should do that that I'm not the right person to do and and of course there's, there's a lot of people who go to courses and trainings to do this. But for me, I think it was really about, you know, finding the people that I look up to that I, I thought were great speakers and then finding my inner voice and practice and kind of saying, okay, but how do I want to speak? How am I myself when I stand on stage and really find your voice? But it is about finding those comfortable zones where you feel comfortable to speak. And it's also about actually jumping. And doing that thing that feels scary, because once you've done it, it's not so scary anymore. And what pushed you to want to do this? Because it's easier to run away, surely. So there must have been something inside you kind of driving you forward and really kind of say, making you want to do it. Yeah, maybe you should ask other people uh, what they say about that. But I think I have, I I am a competitive person. Uh, I've always done sports when I was young. So that comes very natural to me for kind of having that winner instinct. Uh, and I think, you know, again, becoming that kind of purpose-driven person that I, I actually want to make the world a better place 
then we kind of came into it. I think that's part of it. But obviously, yes, I have a a, a super strong competitive edge uh, that takes me, uh, helps me a lot of times. Okay. Um, and then the last last question I'd, I'd love to get your kind of thoughts on is, it's really, I ask this of a lot of people, but what are you curious about now? Many things, but I think that the thing that is top of mind and the things that we're working on right now is obviously what will happen after this crisis, not short-term and mid-term, but long-term. I'm super curious to see how how we will change behavior, if we will change behavior, how the world is is kind of changing with this. And, and I wouldn't say come out of it as a new normal, because I don't think there's going to be a new normal popping out, but how the world is shifting with this crisis. I'm super curious to see uh, what will happen with this uh, long-term. Okay, so it's kind of the, obviously there are bad things happening and don't really want to think about anything like that too deeply here. But from a working point of view, how do approaches and processes and routines and all of those sort of things change? What what do we keep with us out of this and, and what do we go back to from there before and how do they all work together? Yeah, and I think, you know, looking at as a, as a, as a private person, uh, you know, what are... What are the changes that we're doing right now that will come out of this better? For example, you know, we all work from home at the moment, uh, you know, in a positive way. Could that help a lot of people to have a better work-life balance, to, to realize the way maybe a lot of people have been working too much or not healthy? Can, can we come out of this and realizing that we better need to take care of each other and we need to find a more kind of a society and community where we 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 care for each other and we make sure that we take care of the people who are less fortunate and we can come out of this a different society than we walked into it which i think is a great way to kind of end and finish up so i really appreciate your time i really appreciate hearing your story and how you think about the world and how you think about things that you do. So thank you very much, Tova. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure joining you. And for everyone else, um, I think Tova is another great example of a Nordic future maker. And I really hope you enjoyed the conversation. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you will subscribe to the podcast and I hope you will listen again in the future. Thank you, Tom. Thank you.